To the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagberdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome listeners back to another episode of the SDSU podcast. I'm your host Andre Hagberdian, joined as always by Mr. Paul Garrison. What's going on, Paul? Well, wow, Andre, how's everything doing for you, brother? Uh, we're doing good, pretty good. It's uh, almost March. I think we're literally three hours away from it being March and March Madness, the greatest month of the year, some would say. If you're a sports fan, you probably believe it. It's a leap year. It's a leap year, right? I mean, this is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. I got got a leap year question for you guys in a a, a little bit. We start getting into it, man. But we got our our guy, Johnny, here, man. Yeah. Welcome. How's it going? Johnny, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're one of the newest EBT writers helping us cover San Diego State sports, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, what's up, guys? I just joined, um, you know, covering football and baseball so far, but excited to cover all uh, Aztec sports. Um, born and raised here in San Diego, so um, growing up playing football and a little bit of baseball. Um, I've just been a big sports fan, all San Diego teams, all Aztec sports, football, baseball, basketball, and then... Uh, we used to have NFL teams, but uh, the Padres and all that. We got plenty of sports here in San Diego to root for, um, especially the Aztec teams. Um, some very exciting teams recently. A little bit about myself and what I do is I um, I sell a lot at a lot of different sports cards and memorabilia shows. So um, my thing is I I, uh, I have a website, sdsportsmem.com, where I like to uh, I collect different San Diego sports memorabilia and uh, just kind of like to show share the history of San Diego sports through different memorabilia items um, that belong to players or, or teams like that and just enjoy San Diego sports like I think all of us. Yeah, I think that's how I first kind of became, you know, following you on social media was through that account. Uh, it's really cool to just tell some of the stuff that you posted about and that you have from so many years ago. It's really cool stuff. And I'm a big memorabilia guy, but I don't feel like I've collected enough through the through the years and through moving and stuff like that so it's really cool what you do yeah yeah it's really fun and uh it's a great way to learn because obviously in the present you know websites like like you guys that cover these sports it's it's fun to keep up with the current but uh i really enjoy the past and the history too yeah and and then i mean andre like have you been could you be more impressed with johnny's start i mean the variety of the covers that he's provided um from giving a wide receiver from Austin, Texas, who committed to San Diego State and being able to share that story. I mean, yeah. uh, you want to talk about Aztec fast. I mean, this kid from, you know, Johnny's article is just like ridiculous, right? Blowing about blown. Heath McCree. Yeah, Heath McCree. Yep. Heath McCree. I, I was blown away by, you know, Johnny tracking down the, the head coach at um, Westlake out in Texas and saying, we've never had a guy this fast. And you're like, Westlake is like, I mean, if you were to go around and you were to say name a Texas high school, like that one's going to come up, you know, a lot as as na- as a as a high school that people know around the country. And so, like, I thought that was pretty am- amazing to be able to, you know, kind of do that. You know, you've done a couple of baseball recaps and 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 been yeah. a part of that coverage. You know, you, you knocked out, I think, your first one. I mean, just to just to you know, soft toss everything. Um, you gave a you gave a like a, a where is the special teams at for San Diego State like right now and completely nailed that and then today I think you were the first article period um about the San Diego State schedule reveal and you didn't just say like here's the times and dates but you went and gave a little bit of a synopsis um into you know the the things that are taking place at San Diego State's opponents and so like if you had a chance to get that and shoot these village times and look at it but I mean bro pretty impressive like 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 start into all of this brother yeah i appreciate it it's fun uh i'm ready to dive in um you know something i've I've been a fan of for a while and then it's uh it allows me to reach even more uh san diego fans so i'm loving it so far and uh no plans on slowing down yeah we we, paul and i have been looking to get some somebody else in here especially on the football side because (laughs) there's a lot like there's what 100 plus players on the team there's yeah. every player has a story. Every coach has a story. And we've done, you know, a, a, our part to try to tell some of those stories. But like, there's not enough time in the day 
we all have full-time jobs as you do as well, Johnny. So it's like having someone that can come in and, and be that third person and help fill in some of the gaps that we can't, I think is something we've been looking for. So we definitely appreciate you on board. You guys ready for my leap year question? Oh yeah. I got a leap year question. Here's my leap year question. Okay. So San Diego State football goes through its best, maybe argues, but its best, whatever, like, like segment of its history under Rocky Long, who is the coach longevity because he's an older guy, you know, et cetera. Then he moves on, retires, becomes a defensive coordinator, whatever that is. Brady Hope pops up, right? And it takes about a leap year cycle, and now he's gone. Yeah. You look around the Mountain West, and I mean, this is this was part of of, of your article, Johnny. Like that was like really enlightening. Was I mean, Bronco Mendehall, New Mexico. Uh, they're not playing them this year, but San Jose State. They're getting a new coach. Um, you got new coaches at Boise State, uh, new coaches at Wyoming. You know, and there's so many different new coaches that you could start pointing to. Do you think that San Diego State is going to kind of get onto like a, a leap year carousel with having to replace a coach every leap year? You know what I mean? Every four or five years, because that seems like what groups of five schools are having to do now with all the rules and all the ways that things are happening. Do you think that's where that that's where they're headed with all of this? Because I mean, it, it seems like, at least in my mind, that that like with Sean Lewis, there's one or two ways that this thing ends up. Either he's great, and maybe you know Wisconsin and the places where he was, um, where he went to school, and those things start calling, and San Diego State's going to have to start competing. With, with with groups that have a lot bigger purses and who knows where everything will be in four years, or he's not successful and then San Diego State is going to be looking for somebody to replace him. So do, do you feel like that is, or do you feel like maybe there, there's a chance that that they could find somebody long-term and, and, and not be on that leap year kind of coaching carousel? Hopefully not. I mean, well, first thing I think of when you mentioned Wisconsin, I, I like to think here in San Diego, we have a little bit more of a pull factor with the weather out here and things like that where um hopefully he'd want to be in san diego but i don't know i think when uh he just came from you know colorado obviously and the landscape of college football is changing with nil and all these different opportunities for college players and i feel like Deion sanders at, at least like as far as like social media and like being out there was kind of the forefront of that bringing in players you'd have like the the lambos and things like that um so hopefully i'm hoping sean lewis kind of took a little bit and we saw that they brought in some good talent from the transfer portal. Uh, I'm hoping that he's able to kind of build something. He's, he's came in and brought in a pretty solid coaching staff. So hopefully I don't want to get into a cycle like that, uh, the leap year changing coaches, but I'm hoping that he's able to, um, to kind of plant some roots here in San Diego uh, with, with NIL and kind of his personality from what I've seen so far um, at his appearances and stuff. He seems like a very um, outgoing, outspoken guy. And I'm hoping that he, um, you know, plants his roots here. Uh, with the, the NIL landscape shifting, that he's able to uh, continue some great recruiting and, and bring in some awesome talent to San Diego. It's it's an interesting question because four years is a long time. It's a long time. Football. Yes, and it is. Sean Lewis loves it here. Mm -hmm. And I think he's very, very happy to be the head coach of San Diego State. But if leap year, the next leap year, we're sitting here and he's still the coach of San Diego State, it probably has not gone as well as he wanted it to go here. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's just a, because offensive-minded coaches get poached from G5. That's a great five point. Five. That's so a great much point. more than defensive coaches. Yeah. And like, I, if he's here four years from today, um, doesn't mean that the teams have been bad because mm -hmm. if they're really bad, maybe he got fired, which I don't think right. so. That means they've been good, but they haven't been special maybe to the point where power five has looked for him but like i don't i if i had to make a prediction he would not be here he would not be the head coach of standing a state on the next leap, leap year wow wow no i and and i mean i think that's, for positive reasons 100 percent, yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and i think that i think that you know um it, it's this kind of interesting uh, world that san diego state sports has been in right where you have the, the the two major sports, and not just the two major sports, I mean, you can go to other ones um, as well, baseball, et cetera, where, where you do get these, the, the, the head coaches that have these long tenures, 
um, the assistants go and become the head coaches, you know? And so it gives this like continuity and, and San Diego state has been kind of this, this oasis in the middle of what has been happening everywhere else in college football. And JD Wicker to his credit has figured out how to figure it out. And the, you know, other administration has figured out how to kind of break the trend. But I mean, you know, you look at like UNLV is a great example. And, and, and again, you know, I think they're, they're, they're very similar schools, right? I mean, uh, they have a great, they have great budget. Um, I think San Diego state probably has better support, but they have, they have boosters probably more in UNLV than they do in San Diego state, et cetera. They had a good year this last year, go to the Mountain West Championship. But before that, it was the four-year, five-year carousel where they had to bring in a new coach all the time. And, you know, San Diego State just, that hasn't been them. And I think that even with with the, with the um, Brady Hope taking over for Rocky Long, I think it didn't feel like, it felt like more continuity. It didn't feel like even there was a new coach coming in. Um, and obviously the, the success that they had in year two, the first full season, you know, when, that he was the head coach kind of even added to that. But I, I just think it's, it's, it's a really interesting aspect of it because if there is something special to Johnny's point that elsewhere beyond th- there's like all of the basketball assistants, they could go and get more of a salary somewhere else. But so many of them are staying at San Diego State because it offers them things that money can't buy. And to Johnny's point, there might be something that that really is attractive. But I think if you if you look at the script that's playing out, I, I agree with Andre, which is why, uh, uh, oddly enough, I mean, you know, you, you, you if if it wasn't for this weird environment, this would be kind of a weird question. But I mean, uh, Janie Wicker was maybe was maybe still like catching his breath after announcing Sean Lewis. And here we are in the locker room and I'm asking him, hey, so did you guys have a good severance package? <laughs> because if this works out, like, like y- you got to use the money that you're using to be able to go and find the next guy. Um, a buyout, a buyout package. Buyout. Is there a buyout? Is there a buyout? Did they have right. to do that? Are you? We never, we, did we ever get the details on the buyout? I don't have it on, in, 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 yeah, uh, it's competitive and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But anyway, I was just thinking about that. Is this being a leap year? Uh, it was just felt like a, the right question. Like, okay, so leap year. This, if this, that's what that's what coaching in major college football has become. Um, even even at the highest level. I mean, even at at the high. I mean, Ohio State has gone through different coaches. Um, they're they're calling for you know Dabo Salini, and they're calling for his head because he hasn't won in the last couple of years since since Lawrence left. I mean, that's just kind of the the thing, but. I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting question. And I think it's one of those interesting things. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's uh, the other part of this is I think that you look at some of the major jobs that are on the West Coast that have, and, and there's a lot of coaching changes that have taken place recently. And so like, they're going to give a little bit of, of, of leeway, but of course he made his hay in Kent state. And so that whole neck of the woods and being able to pay attention to what's happening. Um, and I mentioned Wisconsin because that's where he went to school. And, and so it's just it's it's just an interesting question. But could we turn our attention to the to to the schedule? Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. What do we got there? Well, what's interesting is last year they had two bye weeks in a three week period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not as bad this year, but now they have two in a four week period uh, before their sixth game of the season. So or before their seventh game of the season. So. The bye weeks are coming early again. You know, Brady Hoke last year when the schedule came out said, we don't care when the bye week is. But then when that second bye week hit, he was asked, he was like, yeah, it's kind of not really that great to have two in three mm-hmm. weeks. So like, mm-hmm. okay, well, finally got the real answer. And so I don't know how Sean Lewis will feel, but they've got to, you know, they play three non-conference games. They play a week zero game, which is why they have two byes. Right. Uh, they get a, a one bye uh, before they go to Central Michigan there. Obviously, that's a long road trip. Uh, but then, you know, they get their seven conference games and then the Washington state game, which is kind of a, a different, it's a new year, right? In the mountain West where they're playing only seven conference games. Cause they're trying to get a Oregon state and Washington game in there. Uh, Johnny, you, you put out your article today. What stood out to you when, uh, the schedule came out? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's sort of interesting when you look at their, um, their home and away, they, uh, they have two home games. Um, followed by an away game and then a buy in an away game. And then after those um, back-to-back away games, it's kind of 
back and forth. So they go home away, home away until they then again have two away games before finishing the season um, with Air Force, um, a, a Mountain West opponent at the end. Uh, the, I, I like the um, the matchup against uh, Oregon State and Washington State. Uh, it, it'll be a good test. Uh, when when Lewis was at Colorado, he lost to both of those teams previously. But um, it's sort of like when you look at the conference play, those teams always play each other a little tougher. They know the opponents a little bit better. Uh, Aztecs fans obviously um, always love the outside competition. Uh, I remember the game years ago, like one of the f- more memorable games I remember was watching that Stanford game against the uh, the Pac-12 opponent there. So those games are always fun. And uh, I think those are pretty good matchups for Lewis's first year as head coach against those Pac-12 teams. They finished in uh, pretty similar in the Pac-12 standings as SDSU did um, within the Mountain West. They're both kind of the bottom of the ha- um, bottom half of the conferences. So uh, I'm excited to see how we match up against those teams. And then, um, and then Mountain West play is always exciting. Every every game there is uh, is fun to watch. I, I'm, yeah, the, the what's interesting is the front uh, the TV schedules aren't out, right. which means right. that some of these games could be moved to Friday when that happens. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at this. Somebody asked me, you know, what games do you think might be moved to Friday? And the somebody, last- whoa, 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 somebody. Dennis Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, Dennis Ryan. Our like our EVT like football scout. Like Dennis Ryan was asking about this question. Yeah. And, and well, the last three years, the Boise game has been on a Friday. In 21, it was at 9 a.m. on Black Friday at Carson for the winner to go to the Mountain West Championship game. So I remember uh waking up at my parents' house, you know, at six in the morning and driving to Carson, covering that game. And then, you know, the at Boise game was the game right before uh, Jeff Blinsky was fired. That was the second half meltdown. And then last year, it was obviously the Ashton Jean T uh, breaking uh, 20 tackles and rushing for 200 yards. So five yards. Uh, yeah. You know, that that could be a game that the Mountain West loves to move and the TV networks love to have mm-hmm. on a Friday. So we'll see. But I, I think that's interesting. The other the point about the Pac-12 is like up until two years ago, San Diego State had the best record against the Pac-12, I think, with a minimum of six games. But they're seven and one in their last eight games. They're right. they lost four in a row in the last two years, and they've all been blowouts. Uh, not Oregon State game was actually the closest one. I think that was a seventeen point game. So you know, even though it's a Pac-2 now, they're at least playing both of those teams. It's a it's an opportunity to get back playing better against the Pac-12, and then obviously Cal. Is an ACC team now, which is really weird to say, but they're still, they're still <laughs> yeah. a power five, right? Sure. So, and and then Central Michigan. I don't know how many how many Aztec fans are going to be making that trip to Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Heck yeah, bro! Yeah, well, at least it's in September, and it shouldn't be you know that cold, right? So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a good schedule. It's a good schedule a for the very first, good schedule for a yeah. first year head coach. Yeah. I think it's a really good schedule. I mean, I, I think that, you know, like, I think one of the, one of the fears for everything that's taking place with like conference realignment and stuff like that is that like San Diego State is not going to be able to have a really good schedule. And if you look at the schedule, it's kind of like what you would want. You know, you got, you got three traditional power five teams. I think if you just say Texas A&M instead of saying Texas A&M Commerce, that sounds way better. But but I mean, I think it's a perfect game, you know, like, I mean, it, it's a perfect game to kind of get the Sean Lewis era like off and any any kind of bugs and, and those kinds of things as a first as a first year coach. And, and, and so I think it's really good in, in that regard. Um, I actually think the bye weeks are perfect. Um, I, I, I think that like, again, going back to that first year head coach kind of thing. You'd love to be able to have like extra bye weeks to kind of fine tune things and get things the way they need to be for a group that is not going to be completely familiar with their head coach. And so you get these two extra weeks to kind of put these things together. And and, and again, I I um, look forward to researching more about Texas A and M Commerce. Um, but you'll 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 forgive me, Texas A and M Commerce fans who also watch the SDSU podcast. Um, you know the one or two of you who are who are out there who do that. Um, but that's a bye week, right? I mean, I mean, uh, Steve Spurrier used to talk about that those were the preseason games, right? Yeah. Um, and so you have in the first seven weeks, eight weeks, 
you have essentially three bye weeks where the coaching staff can um, lay out like another spring practice, a whole nother spring, but like built into the season. And then you hope that they are playing their best football um, towards the end of the year and they're really rolling. And so for those final six weeks, like they're at their peak. Um, and, and, and so I think there's things that you like about the way the schedule is, um, again, you, you assume again, you don't know, but Wyoming's got a new coach and, but the, the coach is a, is a holdover from the other staff. And so the idea and the thought that he's going to be very similar in style, which means they're going to be physical. They're going to run the football. They're going to do those things. Well, you don't mind. You prefer to get that game in Laramie at the part of the schedule that is, as opposed to when it's snowing. The flip side of it is Utah State's going to throw the ball all over the field, except that it might be 30 degrees at that game, 25 degrees. And and so now that could play an advantage, although setting the state in the Aztec fast, like what does that look like? Although, again, John Luce is from Kent State, so the cold shouldn't be as big of a deal. But but again, you would you would prefer if you were going to have Wyoming first in the but you were going to have um, Utah State in the cold, like you're going to prefer that. I have rarely seen a game where San Diego State was more outclassed. I mean, Andre's talking about those four losses by blowouts. Um, I didn't feel like they were horribly outclassed against UCLA. Yeah, the score got away from them, but you you um you get you complete a pass to um a running back late in the game and you know you can make a game of this but they were completely outclassed against Air Force last year it yeah. was it it was brutal and the 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 academies for all of the things that they do they they're they're great early because and then as the season goes on typically may not happen next year they they wear on and they wear out and and San Diego State, of course, a couple of years ago, lost to Air Force in San Diego um, at the last game of the season. But again, that's what you would prefer. You would prefer to see the buzzsaw that is Air Force at the end than you would at right. the beginning. I mean, sitting here a couple but of hours game, and that, that game was 13 to 3. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Look at the offense. Look exactly. At the offense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, so I think there's a lot to like about San Diego State's schedule, how it sets up. Um, even even getting Oregon State the second game of the season, Oregon State will have next to no idea what San Diego State is going to be running offense. They sure. won't. They they won't. They're gonna they're gonna be very vanilla against Texas A and M Commerce, and the first real full Sean Lewis is coming out against the Beavers, and the Beavers are gonna there there's there's gonna be probably a couple of touchdowns or ten points or something like that that are going to be scored simply because there's no tape on the Aztecs and what Aztec fast is. Um, and so it shapes up good in that regard. Um, Johnny, you talked about it, you know, the Idaho quarterback is coming and transferring to, well, that person that the Idaho transfer is probably going to be really good game five, but maybe not game two. Right. Yeah. That early on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that, those are my general thoughts on the schedule. Yeah. No, I like, uh, I like a couple of our, uh, my Second article I wrote about the transfer portal. Um, we had a couple good D linemen on, on defense. Uh, we lost a few key players in the secondary. The guys who we brought in from the transfer portal, we had his downgrade so far, but our our, our two upgrades were uh, um, our, our D line. So I'm kind of excited to see how our our uh, defensive line does against that game against Oregon State and that quarterback there. Yeah, just um, a few days ago, they signed another JUCO guy, uh, Miles Gukake. From uh, Mount uh, Sacramento College, I think. Yeah. Um, he's a small guy, 240. He's more of an edge guy, but uh, another guy that can come in and compete uh, for the defensive line. And I'm going to have to get used to that. I, I, I mean, sincerely, how much easier was our job to be able to be like, okay, it's the second signing day, and they're going to be done adding players. And now it's just it, it just seems like, you know what I mean? Like every, every 15 minutes, there's a new player being added. Yeah, you know, and 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 then trying to track down when they're actually going to be on campus, and then and then you know there, there's the and then there's the coaching step, right? I mean, it doesn't just stop there. You know, we 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 are like, okay, well, they're going to retain Bojay 
Julio we want to. And we're like, hey, let's, 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 okay, great. What a, what a great to bring him back. And we got all the things from uh, McElroy who talks about, you know, how, how much he's connected with him. We're like, okay, this is, this is cool. This is why they're keeping him. And now he's at San Jose State. So then they bring in a new guy from Washington. And we're like, okay, well, what a good hire. I mean, listen, this guy's got a resume that you can't believe. And it turns out we weren't the only people who thought that because the people apparently at Baylor thought this guy's got a really good, got a good, really good resume. And so now it seems like there is, and these were the names that were always there, that that the Idaho, and again, I can't confirm this, it's just what the reports are, that Idaho's interior defensive lineman coach is going to be coming down to San Diego State because, of course, Idaho's defensive coordinator is now the edge rush um, coach at San Diego State. It, it's just such an interesting world about like the movement and, and, and it's, 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 um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah his name is David Lose, mm-hmm. but there's not, I don't know much about Lose. He played at Oregon state as an offensive lineman, uh, I think in the late nineties, early two thousands. And he's, you know, obviously bounced around and, and been a coach in a lot of places. So we'll see what, what he brings to the table, uh, you know, spring tra- spring camp starts March 12th, so we're less than two weeks away. And then uh, the spring game is uh, April t- going to be April 20th at uh, Snapdragon. So pretty soon, I think we're going to have a lot of people getting out to Snapdragon to see Aztec Fast in person, you know. Uh, yeah. What's interesting is uh, Sean Lewis, you know, during his, uh, at the uh, signing day special at Snapdragon, he basically put out an open invite to the fans to come out to practice. I don't think uh, that was him. That wasn't Matt. him. Yeah, he did. I think it was Matt Johnson. No, Sean Lewis did. I think it was an assistant. I think it was an assistant who said, we'll see you out there at practice. <laughs> yeah, I thought Sean Lewis did too, or maybe he did it at a different um, press conference or event. Okay, no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm curious as to how that will play out if people if it actually really be, will be open. I mean, spring camp, you're not preparing for an opponent, so you're not necessarily practicing plays that you're going to use in three days, and coaches get paranoid about, you know, spies and uh, people getting their plays and telling the opponents so the opponents are ready for it. I think it's spring camp. You're not really worried about that, so maybe it's a little bit more open for spring camp, but we'll see. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting about how all that kind of stuff is going to work out. You know, staying, staying on the football side of things. You know, we'll, 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 we'll get into this. As we're, I mean, we're, you can talk about March. I mean, we're, we're getting there to spring camp. Um, it, it's around the corner, March twelfth. Uh, what position battles realistically are are you most interested in paying attention to when it comes to spring football? John, you can go first. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like the uh, veteran I, move. That, I'm sorry, that's a veteran move. You know, let 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 Johnny jump first. I'll think about it a little bit. I like. I know, it. man. Put me on the spot now. That um, <laughs> I, I really want to see how things shake out at receiver. Brought in a, a couple, a couple great receivers that I I covered in the the transfer portal portal article. You know, McClure from UCLA, uh, and then uh, Louis Brown from Colorado State. Both very exciting players feed right into the, that Aztec fast offense. Uh, Louis Brown was uh, was mocking the Shador when they played them in that big game. So, um, <clears throat> and I kind of like that. Hope that that transitions over into the play here and, and, and kind of see how that goes. So, uh, I'm more of a when I watch football, SDSU is known for their hard hitting defense. Uh, but I'm excited to kind of see. Uh, and and Coach Lewis pointed it out. And uh, as a fan of the history of Aztec football. And I included this quote, made sure to in my uh, my schedule release article that uh, he kind of paid homage to the Air Coriel days. Uh, I mentioned about how he's excited to bring back that uh, that offense that that lights up the scoreboard. So bringing in in receivers like this, it'll be cool to see how they kind of progress through uh, through the spring and see how they do during the season. It could be exciting to watch at uh, at Snapdragon. Uh, before I answer it, like. Other than Garrett Fountain at one defensive end, there's probably not another starter that's already like in place. Like every position probably has because they lost so many people from last year. So many of the starters, like on, on the line, on both on the entire team. Really, you don't think yeah. Alu Alu has 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 the one of those spots lined up in a different defense with a different scheme? 
I don't know. Ah, oh, man, I, 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 I think, I think that the only question with anyway, keep going. Keep I, I think quarterback. You have to mention that. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, you got four guys that ha- none of them have thrown more than seventeen passes in a division one game. Mm-hmm. So you got. I mean, you obviously you start and end with a quarterback, but cornerback is also really intriguing. Because other than Chris Johnson, everybody's new. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's true freshmen that want to play, right? Isaiah Buxton enrolled early. He wants to play. Um, Tayton Byer enrolled early. He wants to play. Then you got Bryce Phillips. You've got um, some other guys here. Tate Vion Beasley, who had to sit right. out. Yeah. And transferring from Colorado and Jackson <laughs> State. Uh, obviously, Chris Johnson's still there. So, like, that's a position I think is really intriguing because um, other than Chris Johnson, we haven't seen any of those guys in Aztec uniforms. But uh, as I said, I, every almost every position is going to be an, an open battle, much so more so than it has been in the past few years, just because there's so few returning starters. No, and I, I think I think everything at step, that's completely true. I, um, you know, when I think about what I'm most interested in, I, I just, I'm really interested in the scheme. Um, and I know that I'm kind of cheating by not, not, not picking an, a, a position, but you know, I, I'm really interested to see, you know, it, it's like, we're not, not just like who's going to be in what pecking order, but like, I'm really curious what kind of defensive end Garrett Fountain is they, you know, and, and, and again, their, their defensive coordinator, San Jose's defense coordinator, like, is he going to run a traditional four, two? five is that really what he's going to do and like what does that look like so do they have like the run stopping defensive end um that would be kind of close to a sand the sam linebacker that they ran in the three three five but just kind of consistently always there um is, is that what garrett fountain is or do they see more pass rushing skills which he means he's going to be on the other side um you know I, i'm i'm really curious about you know, who, okay, so who is if so inside you got two defensive tackles. One of them is that is is almost that for for a long time fans of San Diego football, you know, it, it's it's that almost that three four nose tackle, um, that prototypical um, guy who's who's just there to 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 um, take two blockers and make sure the linebackers are just free to be able to fly around. And then you have a, 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 right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example. Third round pick in the supplemental draft from Oklahoma State. Let's go! Come on, yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, and and you have that, and then you have kind of a smaller defensive tackle, which would be basically the guys who've been playing inside for the Aztecs for a long time. More athletic. Um, you want them to move around. If you're going to do stunts, you're going to do all those kinds of things. Twists. I mean, that's the guy that you're going to do that with. Um, and, and so I'm curious to see if it, if it'll fit that, you know, where you have that, that spacing guy, uh, you know, again, these are just questions. Um, uh, will they play boundary field where you have the defensive lineman who is, who is, um, that bigger, stronger against the run. You're going to have that guy always on the field because there is, they, there's so much room that you've got to be able to account for. Um, and, and so if they don't hold up, they could really blow you away or. Is it strong side, weak side? And so wherever the tight end is going to line up, that's where you're going to have that stronger defensive end who's going to be against the run. Super curious to that. Um, I, I'm curious to see what it looks like and and, and again, where they have them and in, in how they have the linebackers. I mean, one linebacker is again, this is this is the 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 four two five in its cliche way, and it's and you know, it's it's on the on the chalkboard, but you're gonna have a guy who who is a little bit more of a space eater who can take on blockers, who's gonna be there at the point of attack, and then you're gonna have a smaller, more athletic, and 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 just where do they spread the guys out, you know? Um and and how do they put them? I mean, you look at a guy like um you look at a guy like uh like white linebacker um white from East Lake. And he played defensive line his entire time at Eastlake. D- does he go onto the line and now he becomes that defensive end that is that strong point of attack, may not be your best pass rusher? Or is he that middle linebacker who's going to be taking on at the point of attack and he's going to continue and he's going to stay there? How are they going to line them up? Um, and then, and then you know, you go into the secondary and, and it's like, okay, 
So it seems like um, there is still that Aztec position that 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 there is the potential to have like somebody who would play kind of like a weak side four three linebacker, but then also can be in coverage and do that. And it's like, okay, how 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 do they line those guys up? Um, you know, do do is this the year like like with new coaching staff and all that kind of stuff? Is New Zealand Williams in the mix over there, or is he still? on that athletic smaller linebacker and who can run around and they want that kind of thing from him and speed and things of that nature. And so I, so I'm really curious about that. I think, um, if I'm, if I'm having to pick a position that, that, that I would love, that I think is the most interesting, um, uh, and, and to, to, you know, obviously pick ones that are different than what you said. I think that safety position is wildly entertaining. Um, I, I thought Josh Hunter by the end of the year was, arguably their um i'm gonna argue it i think he was their best tackler by the end of the year i think he was the he was the guy who you were the most sure was going to bring somebody to the ground does he have another step in him i mean you know they were they were publishing you know guys who were running 20 miles an hour josh hunter he loses the tape game everywhere else but that dude can fly and and those numbers bear that out um eric butler i mean this guy's a playmaker that's all you can say about him. Like you were like you every every time that Eric Butler seems to be on the field, um, and and I think I think it, it, I'm trying to remember if it didn't get into into Johnny's article. PJ took this picture, and and Eric Butler on a punt, his eyes are just lasered in on the punt. Oh, I know exactly which one. Yeah, it's a great shot. I'm like, go, yeah. PJ Pimbody, um, Pimbianco, he 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 grabbed that. I mean, just like that perfect thing. But he blocked so many of those kicks. And and last year and and made plays behind the the line and it's like he's like an incredibly exciting player, um and and there, there there's 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 so many other guys that you you can point in that you can point to that they got they brought in either through transfers, um guys who maybe not had their best year guys who were injured Max Garrison who obviously was you know um been on here a lot uh, I mean these are just guys I think from that position I think that's really exciting but also what are they looking for. What are they looking for? Is it going to be strong side, free safety, you know, normal kind of stuff in those other two? Is it going to be, you know, kind of um, uh, where they're interchangeable? I mean, what are they looking for? Who covers the slot? I I think that's it. I think that's a huge question. And, 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 And so it's more that schematic part of it than anything else that I'm that I'm really curious to to watch um, as spring practice is coming up. So you cheated and didn't did. really answer your own question. It's my question though, so I, I get to. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I didn't want to. I wanted to add. I think the position that had the basically no turnover was running back. Mm, yeah. Right. I think the top four guys are all back. Top five guys are all back, and then the only two new additions are true freshmen that likely aren't going to really be in the rotation anyway. But that who's going to step up? Keenan Christian, a super senior. You got Jalen Armstead. Is he finally going to earn the coach's trust to be on mm. every down back? Cam Davis, are there plays in the in the spread offense that could utilize his uh, catching abilities? Sheldon Canley, is he finally going to get a chance? Who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, Martin Blake, you know, turned in from a walk-on to a scholarship player. So, um that's probably another position to look for. Um, are they going to stick? Are they going to find one guy or two guys, or are they going to continue to you know get four or five different guys carries? So that's another position. Love it. Take with the other one. With the, go ahead, Johnny. Or sorry, I was going to give some love to the kickers on special teams. They're kind of an oh, over- come on. Okay, so so game. so which one of the three of us wrote the special teams preview? <laughs> <laughs> It was a, yeah, I'm excited about all aspects, especially teams. Jay Sean Polk is somebody I'm excited. Yeah. Um, that's another guy who can contribute at receiver too as well. Uh, when I turned on the tape from him at West Virginia, uh, super shifty guy. He catches some slants and immediately turns up field uh, yards after catches is, is pretty incredible. And you know he's expected to help out in the return game. Uh, we, the the Aztecs have kind of been spoiled at kicker. Um, <clears throat> going from a rise at a Browning, and it'll be interesting. Um, they brought in Tyler Pastula, who's a great punter. Um, probably the best experience of the the ones competing. Um, and then we'll kind of see how Gabriel Placencia, uh, Abraham Montano and, and uh, Zachariah Ramirez, that'll be, um, it'll be an interesting one to see how that shapes up during the season. 
No, absolutely. And and I, I agree. And I, I will just say there's there's if for for asset fans who've not gotten a chance, there's not much more fun thing to do at an asset practice than to watch Zachariah Ramirez punt. Um <laughs> because you know, and he's working out, so he's getting bigger and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, the first time I I saw him, he he legitimately looks like, oh, that's cool. I wonder which coach's son gets to watch practice today. Um, that's nice that they gave him a forty nine uniform. What, what's that about? And then he kicks the ball into the, and you're like, whoa! It makes the sound and the whole bit. Um, and you see like why he's out there because the the he just gets it all, you know. But, you know, running back, I think the thing that's also, again, this is just schematic parts of it. With the offense's changes that has happened in the last couple of years, what Jeff Hicklinski and what Jeff Horton and what Ryan Lindley asked their running backs to do was different than I think what Sean Lewis is going to ask his running backs to do. And what skill set is, is, is best to utilize that? And again, you know, there's been evolution and who knows what's going to happen with it and how the things that, you know, we get to uncover and, and discover, you know, just like anybody else. But, you know, like when you watch Kansas State, the running back almost looks like they're in a screen every time. There's so much movement and so much, you know, because everyone's spread out. And so, so many defenders coming from different angles and, and that it looks like, like a traditional screen. In, in terms of, you know, the linemen are pulling, all that kind of stuff. And, and so that could be it. Who, who, who was best on the screen last year in terms of getting in space, making guys miss, you know, shedding tackles and things like that. Um, and, and so I think, I think you can go there. Um, tight end, I think is, is fat. Well, are you going to give us an answer to that question? Martin Blake. Yeah, it's Martin Blake. He caught, you know, it, 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 Martin Blake, like, like that's just what he excelled at. Is is being able to, is being able to 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 do? I'm sorry, I thought it was just self evident. And and you know, that's like, I, I think Cam, Cam Davis is is good in that regard too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Absolutely, without question. Um, you know, and 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 so there's so much. I think that that that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but anyway, tight end, I think is interesting. And everywhere, as you say, there's so much. As you said at the very beginning, there, there's so many different spots that that aren't there. Um, and even guys that like you would expect to be um, like on the offensive line that you're, you're, you're expecting to be somewhere in the mix. You still have the question of like, where, you know, um, right. where does Ross Masuli play? I mean, where, 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 what, what does, where does he, yeah, he's been the, he's, he was the center, but Miles Morale, like, like, are they going to switch? Because that was the position when, you know, he, he was projected. And when they, you look at them, that looks like the right switch. Will will that take place? Will that happen? And, and you know, Christian Jones, like like you know, this this is a guy who is kind of the um, last man standing among all of the tackles that that have been on San Diego the last couple of years. Is he ready to take that next step? Um, you know, they they clearly the the former staff, Mike Goff, you know, they they clearly believe that he was more suited to be a left tackle than Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, who they which is why they moved him to the right side, and they thought he was more suited athletically to be a left tackle um then um the 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 transfer who went to washington um drew i'm sorry as a party sorry for the the pause um drew's been on here great guy um but um you know they they put him at right and they moved bcd to the other side and so like of all the people who were on the roster last year that they thought could legitimately be like a prototypical great left tackle it was christian jones and and does he realize that potential after you know having that playing time, getting benched? What does that look like for him? How does he move that forward? Uh, so again, I just think that there's a ton, there's a ton out there, and none of them are going to be answered. I mean, if any of these positions are just like completely answered, and you're just like, okay, this is obviously your best player, I think that's a boost for the Aztecs. Um, but to expect that in 15 days and, and two scrimmages or whatever it is, like, I think it's, it's a tall task and they're asking a lot. Um, and so I think that, you know, trying to, to all of us, like get our minds around, um, what are these schemes? What are they going to be doing? Um, for me is, is the part that, that I'm most excited to see. Should we, uh, shift gears to some baseball? Are we allowed to? I mean, man, we, we, we've got a few weeks, man, without talking football. Is, it, is this Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my stuff. Yeah, 
Let's do it. People, I, I've seen more engagement on the baseball side on social media and message boards than in previous years. Um, I think the new head coach has something to do with that. Some a new <laughs> freshman <laughs> class that has some exciting players, but you know, three and five start a little disappointing. They start Mountain West play at Fresno State this weekend. Yeah. You guys have covered a few of the games, been there live. Yeah. I went to the opening game, I think, for mm-hmm. about four innings before I walked over to the A-House to catch the basketball game. What have you guys, what are your takes, you know, all through eight games of the season? A lot of fight. <clears throat> um, some great young players stepping up, uh, you know, and, and making big plays early on. I remember the first game we covered the opening uh, day game. We had uh, we had Jake Jackson there in the press conference after uh, he had a great game. Uh, Chris Canada, uh, obviously not not a freshman, but you know he's he's doing some some great uh, pitching. Uh, Jacob Riordona, uh, he's he's done great. He had a great game, and I was at the last one I covered against Missouri, um, which was a, a pretty exciting game to watch. It was kind of hard to keep up. And I was writing my recap at the same time, and it, the. Uh, you know, the Aztecs started off hot those first three innings and, um, and that was a good win, but, uh, you know, talking to uh, coach Cole after the games and the press conferences, uh, he's happy that, I mean, obviously it's disappointing to be three and five, but uh, each time I've talked to them, he's happy about the fight that the players, um, are showing, especially with being such a young group, uh, and, and the pitching there, you know, with mountain West, uh, place starting. Where's the pitching? What's that? Where's the pitching? I haven't seen it. It's it's been pretty decent. Canada, uh, he he's he started off hot the first. So I've I've got to watch Canada the two games I've covered. Uh, yeah. Friday night starter started both games. Pitches great the first three innings. Uh, he, the first one I covered the opener. He kind of got in into a, a sticky situation there. Um, and and Jacob came in. Uh, so you've seen a lot of potential. Bailed him out, but yeah, lots of potential. Uh, they yeah. they come in, they're able to help each other out and and, and kind of get through the games. Obviously, they haven't gotten to the to the number of wins that they would probably be happy with but uh but it definitely looks promising you know it's interesting because i i um you know we'll see how this weekend goes opening up mountain west play and it's you know it's kind of like they're putting this series here at the beginning and then it's going to be back to non-conference um but uh you can make an argument that san diego state has given away every one of these games that they've lost um to uh you know johnny's point um, you know, they lost two out of three um, in the opening series. They won the last game seven to one. But the other two games, they were either in the lead or tied. And one went to extra innings. The other one, um, they were tied in the eighth after being down by a whole bunch. You saw a very similar thing against uh, Cal State Bakersfield, I believe it was, or, um, and where they, they went down. They got a grand slam um, from, from McCombs, go up 5-4, give up the lead. And, and lose late. Um, you know, they, 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 they just played their first road game against Irvine on Tuesday. And, you know, they score three runs in the bottom of the fur or the top of the first. And then they sc- give up like seven runs in one innings. And, and the, I think the frustrating part from, for Aztec fans is their walks, hits Batman and errors. And so there's just this sloppy baseball that's being played. And, and, and the script of the season is coming in, um, you know, making my previews, our previews look terrible, is it was like, hey, man, where they got experience is it's pitching. Like, that's where they have experience. And they're going to be having all these freshmen. And so it's going to take a while for the hitters, but the pitching can hopefully carry them. And they're going to have, you know, four, three, three, two games and things like that. And it's been the complete opposite. Their hitting has been far better. They have had both freshmen of the weeks in the Mountain West so far. Um, and Jake, um, Jake Jackson, as you mentioned before, in the, in the great opening series that he had against Portland, Colby Turner, um, was just sizzling like right now. Um, uh, and, and, and he's, he's, you know, he, he's hit the whole year couple, he already has two triples on the year. I mean, just like, you know, like, like legit stuff. McCombs, who we talked about as another freshman, he, two grand, he has, two grand slams. I mean, that is two, huh? Yeah, he he has two grand slams at one point, like when he got the the, the, the night where he got they got this. I mean, you know, it was the weirdest thing, the weirdest game. They they were playing at the end of the Tony Gwynn legacy. That's not the end, but the second game. I think that and you know, they're down. They're down going into the ninth, but because it's a tournament, San Diego State was the visiting team. So they're at home, but they're the visiting team. They get down to their final strike, they get a double, and then McCombs comes up, 
So on their home field, they go up, they go down, they start six to four down in the ninth, and then they end up winning eleven to six because they, you know, they put seven runs there. And, and so it's just the scripts flipped. Um, they, they, their offense has been better than their defense. It'll be interesting to see as more of these young guys get at bats, what the scouting reports are going to start showing on them and how the adjustments are, you know, inevitably going to come. Um, but, but you like it. I mean, you like that this is what they're able to do on the offensive side. Um, but the pitching has been, the pitching, I, you know, I agree. They've been, they've been, their pitching has been decent at the beginning of the game with the exception of the Irvine game and, and with their three primary starters, but man, they, they, they can't, they can't find the strikes up. Um, they're, they're incredibly wild. They, they hit all kinds of batters. Um, I, you know, I think that first game with Chris Canada, they got a lead on the Aztecs and they hadn't, they were being no hit. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. And, and I, so, I texted you, I texted you right before I left. I'm like, Hey, no hitters don't text. Even though right. they're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I think that's the, that's the part of it, but you know, I think, if if you're looking at a rhyme and a reason to everything that they're doing, um, the rhyme and the reason is that they want to be better. They want to be better at the end of the year than they are now. And allowing all these young guys to play, finding, you know, that fourth starter, being able to find how the how the bullpen is going to shake out. Um, you know, like they they've had a couple of guys who come in and relieve them and they're really, really good. Um, and and maybe that's gonna be their 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 spot. And, you know, they had like as example, they had a Riza who um, came in a relief has been really good. They started him one game, wasn't as great as it, but then he went back in relief and he was really good. So he looks like he's, he, he could be in one of those high leverage relief kind of situations. So, you know, I think that they're, they're finding it, it, it but it, it, I think it's exciting baseball. Um, but the, you know, the idea that they're going to like build to the end of the year, uh, because they, they got to win the conference tournament, which they're hosting. San Diego State's hosting this year at Tony Gunn Stadium is great and all, but you know, the conference season starts now. And, and, and so they're going to have to grow up a little bit. Um, Fresno state, again, they're kind of middling there had a, had a pretty good series, I think against Fullerton, um, on the road in their last one. Um, and so it, it, it starts in earnest. Um, but I think overall, it, you know, it's, um, you like the fight, but you just, you, they, you, you know, it, when we talked to Coach Cole in the offseason, he talked about you got to get first pitch strike. We got to get first pitch strike. That's really important. We get a first pitch strike. Well, he was saying that because they were wild. I didn't know. You didn't know that at the time. You know, you didn't know that that's why that was the message. But now you clearly see that was the message is that is that these guys can't find the strike zone. And the the, the flip side of not being able to find the strike zone is they have so many strikeouts. They are striking out the opposition at an incredible clip. And if they can figure out how to keep that same unhittableness, is that a word? Their inability to, 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 to thank you, um, got past the sensor, and limit those walks, limit the hit batsmen, limit the errors. Uh, you know, I, I think there's potential for this to be a good team. And, um, you know, to, to Coach Cole, you know, his his prediction, like, you know, get us into a tournament. And if they get into a tournament and these big glaring mistakes that they're making now, even if it's only for a couple of games, stop. Suddenly they can play above their head because right now it's mistakes that are killing the Aztecs. Yeah. To put stats to but what both of you guys said, the pitchers are only allowing a batting average of 206. Gosh. And a slugging of 304. Yeah. They should not be have a losing record. But you got fifty three walks. Great. To how many? How many of the assets walked? Twenty six. That's crazy. More than double. Yeah. And they've hit twenty four batters in eight games, which is three per game. Yeah. And I looked it up. The NCAA Division One record is ninety nine hit batsmen by a pitching staff in a season, and no, those are over fifty games. So that yeah, they're on pace too. Yeah, so they're on pace to they're on pace to break that record by like 50 right if they keep up per game which you would think that's that's gonna come down but is it gonna come down to the point where they don't break that 99 record i don't know but they're that's that's what when if you've had a chance to talk to coach cole after the games like what is the explanation for 
why they're so wild. I asked that. No, no, I asked that exact question. That that was that was the question that I asked him. I, I, you know, I said, I said, how, how, how is that 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 you have? He's unhittable. I mean, Chris Canada, to 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 Johnny's point, he's unhittable. Like, like literally, the opposition had a better opportunity to hit to hit pitches by leaning into the ball and getting hit and put to first base than they did putting a ball in play. I mean, he, he's, he's filthy. They don't have any idea what's coming up there. It's moving all over the place. But I, I mean, how, how is that possible? And, and, you know, his response is that, you know, that, that he thinks that maybe they're being a little bit too fine with it, that, that, that they're trying, that they got to kind of trust the defense a little bit. Um, but th- that's just kind of what baseball is. Baseball's unpredictable that way. But I mean, it's, it's been, it's just been, it's been such this stark, crazy, thing that 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 they're that they're that they're going with and um uh, you know the flip side you got any stats for the offense yeah the offense is hitting 260 uh and slugging 404 yeah but because they aren't walking very much uh their on-base percentage is only 3333 what's crazy is the on-base percentage the pitching staff is giving up is 47 points higher at 380 yeah that's nuts because of all the walks and the hit batsmen, despite only giving up 204 batting average. So, but the home runs, I mean, they've hit, they've only hit five home runs, but only given up two. 118 <laughs> total hit, total bases. Uh, so they've, they've shown some, you know, double triples in this, but yeah, they, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I mean, what, how many runs a game are they at? They are, uh, they've scored 57 runs in eight games. So what, that's about seven, seven that's runs. A- that's winning baseball. Like, yeah. like I mean, seriously, if, if, I mean, that's the crazy part. They have a losing record and their average runs yeah. has been over seven. Like that, that. Yeah. Huh? They scored four more runs than the opposition. Right. Which is, you know, three and five is not that. They've had a couple games where they won by. Yeah, know, five six runs. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like again, if you would, I mean, they were not. They were. I, I don't. Again, I don't have it in front of me. I should. But I mean, last year, I, they didn't average five runs a game, and mm-hmm. and and so it's been a big improvement on that side with all of these freshmen who have come in and done their thing. So, you know, I I I think it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I think if you were to go and you were to say, at the start of the year, and Johnny, tell tell me. Let me ask you this question. You know, what would you have preferred, right? If you're San Diego State and you have guys who can't hit, but you have good pitching early, or would you think that you'd rather have kind of bad pitching and good hitting because you believe that with the age and experience and who Sean Cole is, that that can correct itself? Whereas if these guys couldn't hit, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I I think you'd rather have the solid pitching and then... um... Or I'm sorry, the, you, I'd rather have the, the hitting be good because you have a lot of young players. If they can get uh, make contact with the ball, get on bases, get some runs scored, um, and, and the pitching isn't as promising looking in the beginning of the season, yeah, I agree. Um, you expect Cole and his background to be able to kind of get that down, and you would feel more confident. You'd be, even Despite sitting at uh, a 3-5 and five record, you know, you'd feel like going forward into the season, you'd be like, okay, if you can get this pitching under control, we can be a pretty well-balanced team and, and, and win quite a few games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, that was, um, our kind of assessment on how the baseball season's gone. Obviously in the beginning, we uh, talked about the football schedule and some of the coaching and changes and what we're looking for. As spring camp gets going, um, I obviously, you know, other sports are getting are going as well. Softball, the swim and dive team. We want to give them a shout out for their third straight championship, Mountain West championship. And then obviously the basketball team is uh, trying to finish up their regular season with two more games. So um, a lot of stuff going on on the Mesa right now. And uh, just trying to bring you a little bit more of, uh, of it as well here. As always, thanks, guys, for listening. Johnny, do you want to give them uh, your Twitter handle if, where people people can find you? Yeah, so uh, Twitter and Instagram are both SD Sportsmen. Um, make sure you give me a follow. I'm going to be covering whatever these guys want me to. Um, they Aztec fans, so I'll go to anything. I'll, I'll cover some some swim and dive, softball, baseball, 
whatever, uh, you know, whatever you guys want, follow me, um, kind of tweet at me, see what you guys want covered and I'm willing to do it. Awesome. Um, as always, we guys hit, uh, we appreciate you guys liking, sharing, subscribing, following the podcast on your favorite platforms. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts, Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.